You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. It's hour three of BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Joe Ostrowski here with you. And a lot we got to get to, including a rather busy NBA card and, of course, our lightning bets. And, Joe, uh, in our last segment, we heard from Paul to say that Clemson has some value in terms of uh, winning the national championship. And, you know, after looking at it for a couple of moments, uh, what say you? Uh, Any value there or maybe another team uh, perhaps out east that perhaps could win this whole thing? Yeah, not no, not something that popped to me. I think it's uh, interesting as far as yes, we are we are getting some numbers, some data, some a uh, bit of a sample size, but do we have enough? If you've been waiting to see mm-hmm. how things start for for these teams, um, I think the argument could be made for both ways. But like for me, um, pre conference play, if if you've been waiting, I'm wondering if now's the time to strike. Or are you going to start to lose some of these numbers on these teams that you're eyeing? That's uh, that's an interesting debate at this point in the college hoop season. Yeah, it really is. Because uh, I think it is something where, okay, you know, a lot of these uh, fanfared teams, yes, they've been playing these, uh, you know, early season tournaments. And that can certainly help in terms of strength of schedule. But what we're seeing in college basketball over the last few years is that there is always that dark horse, that sort of well, relative unknown when the path is just right, they can very well make the final four. And maybe there's still value on those teams because they are unheralded because they don't have uh, just the best strength of schedule. And so if you're looking at say uh, effective field goal rate, those kinds of things, maybe that's the best way to look. Uh, but let's bring in uh, Isaac Trotter from 24 seven sports who can help kind of discern things. So Isaac, when it comes to say teams that we aren't talking about that aren't playing in these high profile early season tournaments uh is there a team that you feel like uh can very well make a run in terms of winning a smaller conference a mid-major something like that maybe even making the final four or winning the whole darn thing man that's a great question you know a couple of the teams that stand out from the mid-major angle uh grand canyon has been playing phenomenal basketball right now that's an interesting team i'd watch i don't know if that's a team that can make a deep deep run in march but they have Tyon Grant Foster, one of the best stories in college basketball this year. He was a former number one Juco guy. He went to Kansas, didn't work out there, suffered a heart, um, basically had a, like a heart issue at DePaul, didn't play for two years. Now he's coming back and he's averaging 22 points a game. Like this is a pro who's playing for Grand Canyon. So that's the teams that I'm kind of looking at. Those mid-major teams that have 
elite, elite talent, high-end talent. So then Colorado State's another one that I think would qualify as well. Isaiah Stevens, you could put him in the conversation for the best point guard in college basketball. So for those type of teams that I'm looking for, those those are like the benchmarks I'm looking for because you need to have a dude. If you're at that mid-major ranks, you're probably not going to have the high-end talent. But Grand Canyon has gone into the portal and gotten multiple power six transfers. Colorado State has one of the best coaches in the country, has one of the best point guards in the country, has gone into the portal and gotten multiple power six players. So those are the types of teams that I'm looking at from the outside the the power six that could potentially make some noise in March. Isaac, when I look at last night and uh, what we saw happen in college hoops, one thing that uh, certainly came to mind was home court. As uh, you try to figure out what is it worth, and we had some spots where, you know, a team like Virginia, with their first true road game of the year, they get smoked by Memphis. Memphis was it was two and a half earlier uh, in the day when we were talking about it. I uh, ended up closing three and a half. They cover with ease. And then Marquette, they were a short road favorite. And then they get smoked by Providence. What did you think about those results? Yeah, the, the the Providence one doesn't really surprise me a ton. Providence is phenomenal at home. I think they're forty and three now at home in their last forty three games. That's just kind of unbelievable. But I think it in the Big East so to speak. I think it shows that this might be a little bit more than just a three-team race. You know, I think a lot of people have thought it's UConn, it's Marquette, it's Creighton, and I think a ton of people thought Villanova could potentially be that fourth, and myself included in the beginning. But I, I think Providence has shown that they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. Devin Carter's jump is real. I think he's a, another NBA guy. Now that his shooting is legit, he was all over the place last night for Providence. And if he's an NBA guy and Bryce Hopkins is an NBA guy, I think there's still some questions about Kim English, their first year head coach, but that's a team that can really challenge for it. I still think, you know, in the Big East that it's it's UConn has been looked like the best team, but I think Creighton's really, really good too. And so like, if you could get a good longer number on them, like I think they're plus 275 in a lot of spots right now, maybe even plus 300 in some spots. I still think that they have a chance to to potentially win this league. And I think it showed a little bit of the, maybe not the, you know, like I, I like Marquette. I think Marquette's a really good team, but I still think that there's some questions with them too. And some of their issues got a little bit exposed yesterday, especially from a depth perspective and who's their third score. That's still been a, a real question all year. And I think it could hold them from, from winning a league that's, you know, we know is going to be really, really good at the top. Yeah, Creighton number two in America, an effective field goal rate at 60.3%. So absolutely, Creighton uh, is a force to be reckoned with, no doubt about it. Let's talk about tonight's games, and let's start with uh, perhaps the marquee matchup. Baylor versus Duke, Blue Devils three-and-a-half-point favorites. Total of 153-and-a-half with this game being played at Madison Square Garden. What do you like here? Man, this is a, a really fun matchup. Yesterday, I think it opened Duke minus one, and I think the the total was 151, so it's gotten boosted up a little bit more. But both of these defenses stink. Uh, Duke's defense, if you take away preseason priors, they're number 90 nationally. Uh, Baylor, 155 nationally. So both of these defenses have been an issue. I think I would lean the over, but at 153.5, 154.5, like, I don't necessarily love it. For me, For me, I'm always looking at the props market. And uh, mm-hmm. Duke this year has struggled to defend the three. I look at Jalen Bridges over one and a half threes at plus 130 at some spots. That makes a ton of sense for me. He's shooting about 47% from three-point range. He's hit multiple threes in six of nine games. And for me, it's all about minutes and volume. And the the, the, the games this year where he's played at least 30 minutes at three games this year and against Auburn, against Seton Hall, and against Florida. And every one of those games, he gets at least six attempts. He's had multiple threes in all of those games. Like, this is a, a really good spot for him to potentially, you know, get going from downtown, you know. And then I also look 
look at Duke's recent recent games. Georgia Tech's Miles Kelly, he had eight attempts from three. Arkansas's Khalif Battle, eight attempts from three. Hofstra's best player, Darlington Dubar, had 11 attempts from three. And part of it is like, hey, they can't really defend the ball very well. Their defense has been a little bit of an issue. So you're kind of getting more catch and shoot open threes. And that's where Jalen Bridges goes to work. So that's a that's a prop I'm looking at too. I think another one, smart betters are going to be all over Tyrese Proctor's status tonight. The star point guard, the sophomore breakout candidate. He had a sprained ankle almost three weeks ago. He's a game-time decision right now. I would expect him to play. If he does play, I do think that that's not really going to move the line too much. I think it's pretty much uh, uh, where it is right now. I don't think that's a a big needle mover for me. But it does change some of the minute allotments in that backcourt. We've seen some of the Duke freshmen so far this year. Like they kind of have spots where they pop off. You know, Caleb Foster had a big game against Michigan State. Uh, Jared McCain, though, is a guy that I think at nine and a half is his prop right now. If Tyrese Proctor plays, I would be more inclined to look at the under with that one. He hasn't hit over nine and a half in any of the four Power Five games that Duke has played this year. He shoots a bunch of threes. That's kind of the main thing he gets. And Baylor does a really good job of taking away the three. So those are the two angles that I'm looking at in Duke uh, Baylor. And I think that's going to be a a big time game with a lot of points scored. All right. What about uh, North Carolina, Oklahoma? This game's being played in Charlotte. Uh, North Carolina is favored, uh, but they're coming off back-to-back losses against UConn and uh, Kentucky. And then you have Oklahoma. They haven't lost yet. The market's interesting right now. And, you know, it has yet to settle. I see some spots at North Carolina, two and a half point favorite. Some have it at three and a half. What say you? Yeah, I mean, you could make a case that Oklahoma should be favored in this game and that the wrong team is favored in this spot. Hmm. I think Oklahoma has been better so far this year. The problem is, is this is a pseudo home game for North Carolina, right in their backyard. So I'd expect them to play pretty well tonight. So I I don't really have a a take on the side or total. Again, the prop market is interesting to me because there's some really good angles here. Oklahoma defensively, fantastic at uh, um, allowing or, you know, not allowing assists. I think they've allowed the seventh fewest assists in all of college basketball this year, under nine per game. For me, I look at Cormac Ryan, under one and a half assists, makes a ton of sense. He has just has a 9% assist rate this year. Notre Dame transfer, he, he's basically there to make shots for them. He's a play finisher. He is not a play creator for them. Uh, and Oklahoma does a really good job, too, of running teams off the stripe. They don't really give up uh, a high volume of open catch-and-shoot threes. So Cormac Ryan under 18 and a half uh, points, rebounds, and assists also makes sense for a guy that doesn't do a lot from, you know, from a play creation standpoint, doesn't rebound a ton. And if he's not hitting threes feels like that's a, a decent spot for an under. And then on the other side, North Carolina's ball screen defense stinks. Like they have been atrocious so far this year defensively, and lead guards have gone nuts against them. Kentucky's Rob Dillingham at 17 points in 25 minutes. UConn's Cam Spencer at 23. Florida State, Jameer Watkins, he went for 17. Dalton Connect, he put 37 on them. Arkansas, Tremone Mark, one of their big, big-time guards, he had 34. So for me, then I look at Oklahoma – Javian McCollum is the guy that I'm eyeing. 14 and a half is his number. You can get over 14 and a half at plus money in some spots. He's elite in ball screens this year. Just a phenomenal handle. Can really shoot it. Really good mid-range. Can get to the rim and finish. Good free throw shooter. And then minutes, right? Like that's that's for me the thing is is big minutes. Anytime he gets 29, at least 29 minutes, he scored at least 14 points in all five games this year. He's hit that over 14 and a half in four of those five. Uh, and and that makes makes a lot of sense tonight because I think this is going to be a game where he has to play 34, 35, 36 minutes. He's not coming off the floor too often for Porter Moser, uh, one of the best gets out of the transfer portal out of Siena. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, another one in that game too, Armando Baycott is a good number for him. 13 and a half is 
as his points prop. I think this makes a ton of sense for the over. Usually he's lined around that 15 and a half, 16 and a half range. He's had a couple games where he struggled with his efficiency around the rim. He's really struggling to make layups this year. That seems like an anomaly. That seems like an early season anomaly. And so Oklahoma, they mix up their post-up coverages a little bit. Sometimes they'll post or sometimes they'll trap the post. Sometimes they won't. I think Baycott, with an opportunity to shoot double-digit free throws tonight against bigs that he's bigger than and comfortable with, John Hughley, the Oklahoma big man, used to play at Pitt. So uh, North Carolina, really familiar with him back in the ACC days. So he's going to be very comfortable. And you're talking about a guy who's probably going to get 10 attempts inside the paint and potentially double-digit free throws. That's good math to get 14 points tonight. Let's talk about Alabama for just a little bit, because certainly this is a program that we see having a potentially high ceiling, but maybe they're off to a bit of a shaky start. And now they get Arizona as seven and a half point dogs. What do you think about this one? Boy, this is an interesting spot, right? Like uh, Alabama so far this year, the metrics love them because their offense is phenomenal. But I think their defense Mm -hmm. is such a problem that it leads to some you know, issues. But, you know, so far this year in college basketball, offense is up through the roof. We've seen scoring is higher uh, this year. I think we have a lot of teams that are running, you know, better. They're, 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 they're mathing better, right? Like they're shooting the better shots. Mm-hmm. They're shooting shots at the rim. They're shooting the threes. They're getting the free throw line. They're not taking bad twos. And so like Creighton or, or Alabama and Arizona both do that tonight too. Uh, for me, like every time I look at for for me, every time I look at uh, Alabama, it's like those lead guards, Aaron Estrada and Mark Sears. They have the ball in their hands a lot, but Mark Sears does not turn the basketball over very much. I think some of his turnover props is two and a half. I think the under makes a little bit of sense there, but I don't think I would. I think I would lean Arizona in this spot because just because I think Arizona is relentless. I think that team, honestly, yeah. even in a loss against Purdue, they showed a lot. Like they showed a lot. I felt like they took some punches from that game and had a chance to really win that game, even though Purdue made some really, really tough spots. So I think that they're the more complete team. I think they're going to get whatever they want, whenever they want offensively and defensively, they're going to give some teams some problems. Tommy Lloyd's a really good coach. He'll throw in his own. He'll do a two. He'll mix in a two, three zone. He'll mix in a one, three, one. Occasionally he'll, he'll press, he'll place a man. He'll trap the corners. Like he'll do whatever it takes to get stops sometimes. And I think that that uh, comes into play a little bit tonight when you have to kind of empty the tank against an Alabama offense. It's the best in the country. Oh, you know, it's funny, Isaac, is uh, the game of the weekend, by far the best game, also involves Arizona uh, going up against FAU out in Vegas. Ken Palm makes this uh, number six. Uh, wh- what should we look for uh, when considering uh, this game when, once we get to Saturday? Yeah, this is a, a awesome, awesome game. The best part about both these teams is how unselfish they are. Uh, they, they just really pass the basketball very, very well. For me, the big man matchup is huge. Vladislav Golden has been Florida Atlantic's, you know, underrated stars like he's phenomenal inside the paint against Umar Balo against Keshad Johnson that's going to be a huge huge matchup point there and then getting Elijah Martin going for FAU as well he's been really streaky this year last year is arguably their best player and when he's really getting it going from downtown you're going to be able to to do some things for for FAU and we've seen lead guards against Arizona be able to get to their spots against drop coverage they play a lot of deep drop coverage Elijah Martin getting off those screens getting that mid-range 15-foot jumper Janelle Davis I'll be Behind those props for those, those both of those guys, and you know, I expect Arizona's size to give FAU some problems, like we saw against FAU in Illinois. You can really post FAU. You can get in the mid post area and go to work because they're not going to bring a double very often. 
maybe that's Pella Larson time this year. He's been one of the most efficient scorers in all of college basketball, can be, be really, really good from a lot of different areas. He doesn't shoot a ton of volume, but if his props are on 10 and a half, 11 and a half for a guy that's shooting, I mean, I think his effective field goal percentage is almost 70% this year. I'd have to double check that, but he's been phenomenal this year. I think that could be interesting because he's going to have multiple inches advantage against some of the smaller FAU perimeter defenders. Just 15 seconds left here. Any other player props you like for tonight? Man, I think I unloaded all of them. I, I think I did. I, I, I think the, <laughs> I don't have any others that I, I have right now. Those are the main ones. I, again, I think the Javian McCollum one is probably my favorite one, though. Over 14 and a half at plus money or the Jalen Bridges over one and a half threes. That, that seems like good, good money to me. Good stuff. Isaac Trotter from 24-7 Sports, thank you so much for your time, and happy holidays to you. Always appreciate you coming on. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, a busy, busy card in the NBA. We will share our favorite plays right here on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Joe Ostrowski here with you. Coming up in about 20 minutes, our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight. But let's talk a little NBA for now. And Joe, let's get back to our top story here involving uh, John Morant going off of the Memphis Grizzlies, including getting that game-winning shot to put the Grizz past the Pelicans. So now the question is, what do we do about Memphis? Do they have enough time to make a push now with John Morant into the playoffs? Are there other ways that maybe we can tail the Grizzlies with just this one game sample size? What do you think? Yeah, 100% there's time. I mean, we're talking about 26 games into the season. We're less than a third of the way through. So we've got 56 remaining, and we know what they can do. Okay, so 719 on the season. They're one and eleven at home. Nobody believes that's going to continue, right? Like, that, I mean, you've got to bump that up just automatically. Uh, they had a five-game right. losing streak before last night. You know, the narrative in the media, if they go on some sort of run, will be like, "Oh, look how impactful Ja is." Ja led the charge. Once Ja came back, he lifted the entire team. Blah blah blah. Okay, I mean, that's fine. He's a, he's a star in this league, and he makes a big difference. That's fair. There is so much time left, so much time. And, you know, we were looking earlier at these standings at just how bunched up it is. And there are some really good teams that are going to be in the plane in the Western Conference. There are some really good teams that are going to be outside of the top 10, meaning they can't even participate in that plane. It's just a matter of where. Like when we look at the plane right now, Pelicans, Lakers, Rockets, and Suns. And on the outside, it's the Warriors, the Jazz, then the Grizzlies, which have the same record as the Blazers, tied for second worst in the Western Conference. So if you believe in the Grizzlies, there are some terrific numbers that you can get. You mentioned to make the playoffs at plus 820. And, you know, if your team is in the play-in, that means after the play-in at most sports books. I was wondering about, and it's a super long shot, but should mm-hmm. should we consider the division with so much time left and a monster number? And the reason is, is Dallas, is New Orleans catchable? I think they are. Your leader is, and it's really bunched up between Dallas, New Orleans, and Houston. So you're not chasing a Minnesota team off to a 20-5 and five start. 
or anything like that. You're not chasing Milwaukee 20 and 7, Boston 20 and 6. You're chasing a 10 loss Dallas team off to a strong start, but you can catch them. And we've seen many times where they just tend to fade in the second half of the season. So, so I was wondering, okay, playoffs fine. That's, that's probably where you should start, but a small bet on a long shot at 66 to one with so much time left. I wonder if you should consider them in the Southwest. You make a good point about the Mavericks because the the biggest complaint about them that has gone on for a few years now is just they overuse Luka this time of year. The usage rate is always through the roof, and I think this year it's top three or something like that, and he wears down toward the end of the regular season. And you look Mm -hmm. at that supporting cast, and you tend to say – well, without Luca, they're nothing. When Luca's on the bench, like at the beginning of the second quarter, you know, into the third, whatever it is, like they just struggle. They just cannot generate any kind of offense whatsoever. And that's usually when other teams kind of get back into the ball game before Luca goes off, and that's how the Mavericks win their ball games. That's harder to do in March and April when, say, he's starting to wear down a little bit. So, in that respect, I get the argument. I do wonder, though, if you're looking at, say, the supporting cast for the Mavericks is a little bit different this go round. Like, it does seem Mm -hmm. like that backcourt is a little bit stronger than, say, it was last year. Uh, More guys you can rely upon. Maybe they're not generating the offense, but the flow's a little bit better. So I get why they are the favorites here. The Rockets could very well fall back down to reality. That, I think, makes a whole lot of sense. The Pelicans might be the one team, though, that might be consistent all the way to the end. Because you look at Zion's contributions – they haven't been overwhelming, right? Like, maybe I'm wrong about this, but, like, you know, Zion's presence, like, might matter up to a point. But I have not, whenever whenever I've looked, have seen overwhelming box score numbers. Other guys might be contributing in that regard. The defense might be fairly stout. But I do wonder if New Orleans is at this tipping point where suddenly, like, yeah, they may not be, like, a top four seed, but definitely they can be more than consistent enough to where they're not going to be falling back down to reality. Yeah. Um, I want to throw at you the win totals before the year started. And so, because it's the idea of how much do we want to take those 25 games without John Morant and run with it Mm -hmm. at the top in the division, the teams we're talking about Dallas and Memphis had the exact same win total preseason at 45 and a half, 45 and a half. New Orleans was in that range at 43 and a half. And then Houston, obviously a big surprise. Their win total was 31 and a half. So if we're tentative on how much we look at those 25 games, if, you know, we trust the market, like, man, I'm really tempted by that that things are going to level off. They're going to play better at home. And I'm, I'm trying not to, to overreact to what we saw last night. I'm just, and it's also value. I, the value play right. eight, better than eight to one for them to just make the playoffs with so much time left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's, it's probably worth something. Also, I mean, this is pie in the sky stuff, but I think it's worth mentioning because there isn't a big gap. Interesting to me that to win the West is 110 to one, but to win the title is 150 to one. Aren't the better teams in the East? <laughs> uh, 
the top heavy teams are in the East. Uh, I mean, yeah, two really. I mean, right. the, the Pacers have kind of fallen back down to reality a little bit, but yeah, I mean, you really only have two teams to worry about Celtics and uh, Milwaukee. So no, I, I think that jump makes a lot of sense. Like, and even when you look at matchups, like could the Grizzlies do things that those other two cannot do? Like our question with the Bucks is, okay, you add in this incredible shooter in Damian Lillard, does that mean mm-hmm. that they are better in key playoff matchups? I'd like to think so, but we're not going to know that for quite some time. With Boston, like there are bad matchups for them just in that conference alone, much less potentially in the NBA Finals. So in that respect, like clearly, if you're going to bet on the Grizzlies in this department, it seems to me like you should just go all the way and oh, really? the greatest comeback story of all time instead of being a little more conservative. Though the division you're talking about, I think that makes sense. I'd be concerned about New Orleans. But if you're talking about like conference versus the finals, I'd probably just go the distance. Yeah, I, I just expected a bigger jump because that's typically what we see when right. conference, sure. whatever sport you're talking about, like mm-hmm. the gap between 110 and 150 doesn't seem like all that much. And you're probably going to have to deal with Boston Milwaukee, maybe Philadelphia, one of those teams. Right. You were also talking about uh, the home schedule for the Grizzlies. They hosted the Celtics. They hosted the Timberwolves a couple of times. Uh, You know, and a couple of these games were close. So it's not just like the home schedule uh, is something that should bounce back, but they were also playing some really good teams. And we're learning that some of these teams turned out to be really good. So yeah, like it will get easier for them and they will naturally get better. So absolutely, you should expect some improvement, just how much. And that to me is kind of the big question going forward. So yeah. definitely I'm with you there for sure. Yeah, they're minus 2,500 to miss. No, I would not make that way. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Uh, yeah, so safe, safe to do that one. Yes, I, I agree. Uh, how about we talk about the most improved player market here? Uh, per bet MGM, the highest ticket percentage belongs with Tyrese Maxey at 14.9%, highest handle also with Maxey. Biggest liability, though, is Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, of course, Maxey is the odds leader at minus 150. But uh, how do you bet into this market, given that, at least for me anyway, I don't exactly know what the methodology is supposed to be for how voters vote on this. Well, it's a great question because the what the odds are telling us right now, it's a five-player race. And I've I've been frustrated with this awards market in the past. Full disclosure, I do not have a bet on this, but I just find the odds very interesting. Right now, okay. the top five, you, you mentioned Maxi. Yeah, most liability, obviously, you know, BetMGM is legal in Philadelphia, so it's a very popular wager. I've been hearing for like five years that he's going to win the most improved player. Like this always seems to be the award that's attached to Maxi <laughs> for some reason. Sangoon is second. Scotty Barnes, third. Kobe White is the fourth favorite. Tyrese Halliburton is your fifth favorite. Okay. Um, last few winners. Laurie Markinen, he ended up running away with it uh, last year. A couple years ago, we were just talking about John Morant. John Morant was the most improved player, which I disagreed with strongly, but he still got mm-hmm. the award. Uh, and a few years ago, I disagreed with this one too, Julius Randle. He ended up going most improved. And the reason I disagreed with Ja and Randle was just my definition of the of the award versus how the voters uh, went with it. So I look at I looked at Randle at the time, Ja at the time. And I look at Maxi, the odds-on favorite right now for this season, 
And look at Halliburton, who's top five. I think those players are established and they shouldn't be qualified to win this award. Each of them mm-hmm. averaged over 20 points per game last season. I mean, Halliburton, yes, he's been awesome and he's entered the MVP conversation, but he averaged 21 points per game last year. And Maxi, he was averaging 20. Now both made significant jumps to what they've done this season. But I just don't look at those two guys, two of the top five in the odds board, as uh, guys that should be mentioned for this award because you were already very, very, very good. But I I don't know. Maybe we should take that information with recent winners and apply it. And I guess that's what they're doing with the odds. I just always considered guys that make the jump from 10 points to 20 points per game as really being guys that should be qualifying for this award. Or say, look at usage rate or something like that, where say coaches are investing more time and they believe in their guys that much more. So maybe they're in a position where someone gets more opportunity and they make the most of it. I think that's also, you know, a fairly sound process, but are the voters doing that? You know, as we've always talked about before, when it comes to these kinds of things, doesn't matter what we think matters, what the voters think. And it's our job to project what they are going to do. And definitely that is a, a bit of a challenge here. And I think it also goes back to our previous conversation about how much time is left in this regular season yeah we had an in-season tournament that certainly put certain guys in the spotlight a little bit more than others and we've also had some high profile matchups and we're about to have a few more come Christmas day but at the same time we still have two-thirds of the season remaining and someone who maybe isn't on the radar right now can rise to the surface you know who that is I don't necessarily have a strong feel one way or the other But definitely this is something where I'm probably not comfortable betting into this market in the here and now just because there's so much time left. Yeah, I'm going to keep a close eye on it. Um, Another Mm -hmm. couple, a couple other angles that I find really interesting is, okay, Scotty Barnes. Yeah. A little bit of a jump, not a ton, but maybe he's Mm -hmm. one that qualifies more like three more rebounds per game, five more points per game. Another assist a game. He's getting more blocks, more steals. Like, though, that's the kind of name that that I get, and I understand why he's third favorite. One that probably can't keep up, but it's uh-huh. fascinating because you you mentioned usage. You talk about perfect spot where usage increases in season. Kobe White, sure. yeah, he's ten to one right now for most improved player. Levine goes down. Kobe White steps in. And wow, he he goes from averaging less than 10 points per game last year to almost 18 points per game right now. I don't know if this streak can continue, but keep in mind that Levine could be dealt. He probably should be dealt. So he might have this spot and this usage the rest of the way. And I was just about to ask you that. Uh, what are the Bulls yeah. going to do going forward? Uh, just given where they are in the standings, uh, tradable pieces, things like that, how much of that matters a great deal when it comes to looking at this particular market? Because if, say, you are a seller, does that matter in terms of garnering attention, uh, even if you do have some great individual performances? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. And look, when it comes to this, does market matter? Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, we see a very popular market with the odds on favorite. Uh, Chicago, maybe that's something they don't have much to hang their hat on here. Uh, Maybe that gets some steam. But yeah, I mean, maybe I'm wrong on this and it's Maxi or Halliburton. But if 
It's the jaw conversation. If you're in the MVP conversation, how can you also be in the most improved player conversation? This doesn't make a ton of sense to me. No, it doesn't. No. It, and, and as you're saying it out loud, like it just feels illogical, right? Like how yeah. can you, like if you're improving that much, then you should be getting, you know, way more fanfare than you already have. And then, you know, shouldn't you have the shortest odds of some kind? Yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely with you there. Uh, real quickly, uh, Lakers-Bulls. Uh, Lakers on the road, four and a half point favorites, total 225 and a half. Uh, any kind of feel one way or the other on this one? Not really. I, I would I would lean to the Lakers, but I, I would always lean to the Lakers over the Bulls. The Bulls have been playing better, better of late, but um, yeah, I would. We'll see if there's any information about what's going on as far as status of some players. And, you know, the Lakers have not played great losses to San Antonio, losses to New York and Dallas recently. Right. Exactly. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our lightning bets and our seven days of parlays continues. We will talk about the NBA installment happening today. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by Bet. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Joe Ostrowski here with you. We will get to our lightning bets in just a bit. But first, one more futures market we should get into uh, with the NFL, and that is which quarterback will throw the most interceptions. Right now, we have a tie for the shortest odds. Josh Allen and Sam Howell uh, seeing plus 150 there. Pat Mahomes at 5-1. Jalen Hurts 11-1. Jordan Love there. Tua also there. Joe, what stands out to you here? Yeah, first off with the Howell one, as a co-favorite, they benched him last game. So over the last three, is he going to start all three? There's no guarantee of that. So if they've made that decision, I don't even, I don't know. I don't know who's involved in these decisions because we know that Ron Rivera is going to be fired as soon as the season ends. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that. Josh Allen as a co-favorite, he just ended the nine-game interception streak on Sunday. That was kind of lost in everything, Bills. That it fi- mm-hmm. he finally had a game when he didn't did not throw an interception. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it's if Hurts sits a game, but you know the division would have to be locked up at, at the very end of the season. I'm looking at Jordan Love, and he's been raking high in bad ball rate all year. Now, he has not thrown many picks lately. I believe four of the last five games he has not thrown an interception, but he had a run when he did, and he wraps up the season against the Chicago Bears, team that has the most interceptions of any defense in the league, and we're all pretty sure that Jordan Love is going to be playing in all of these games. I don't know that the same could be said for all these other ones. Now, Josh Allen will be, so he's going to be a tough one to catch, and uh, Jordan Love has four fewer interceptions than Howell, but... I do believe there's that possibility and he could have like that one clunker where you have three interceptions and it completely changes this conversation. 
What's Christian Watson's status, by the way? Like, missed the last couple of games. Like, won't that matter right. a great deal in terms of being forced to throw deep balls and then there's a really no one in particular and then a defender just happens to make a basket catch? You can kind of see that with uh, Love in a couple of these contests, right? Yeah, we should find out today about, about him and at Jair mm-hmm. Alexander. Yeah, so... Yeah. Always big, always big uh, injury info for the Packers. We'll see if they're, they're still significant favorites this weekend, which I don't know that they should be, but all right. right. Yeah, I, similar intuition for sure. Uh, another quarterback who we, I, at least I don't think will be benched and I think can uh, finish with the most interceptions, it would be Jalen Hurts at 11-1. to 1. And okay. I guess when we're evaluating like why this Eagles offense hasn't been as effective as perhaps we thought it could be, obviously Shane Steichen losing him as the OC has something to do with it. But also, too, shouldn't Devontae Smith have a bigger role in this passing attack? Like, why isn't he gaining more receptions and yards? Like, A.J. Brown seems to be the focal point, but I don't know if that really should be the case. Like, Brown's a great receiver, no, nothing against him but smith should also be an impactful player here and i think for the most part he really hasn't been he's getting open enough a great receiver in terms of raw skill set um but if you're looking at say you know advanced metrics and next gen stats has things out there as far as like uh you know primary target and when a receiver should be the primary target etc etc Devontae smith's high up there on that list uh but the numbers the box score numbers do not bear that out and I wonder how much of that is Jalen Hurts' fault to where maybe he's forcing his throws where he shouldn't. And maybe in these last few games, yeah, it's against easier competition, but would we be surprised if Hurts just falls apart in one of these games and throws a number of picks? Well, look, when we were talking about the the NFC East winner, I mean, that was part of it. Okay, they're massive favorites to win the division because of their soft schedule, but the way they're playing right now, there is no guarantee that they're going to sweep the Giants like the the numbers are telling us. Right. It's basically what they're saying, that they're going to add two division wins here down the final stretch. And, you know, on Devontae, I got it during the A.J. Brown crazy run during those five, six weeks. I understood it because A.J. Brown was carrying the offense. That isn't quite happening as much. And when he does target mm-hmm. Devontae most of the time, he catches almost everything. You know, there are some games against, you know, the Dallas game. It was five receptions on 10 targets. But that's the outlier. Most times it's Mm -hmm. he'll target him five times. He's going to catch every one. Target him eight times. He's going to catch seven of them. So that's a good point that especially now as they're going through these struggles, there's no reason to make sure that he's involved much more because defense is no, it's not going to. Now, if they do take care of business, you'd expect those to be run-heavy games. So I, want, I wonder if there's going to be that those opportunities for Hurts interceptions. Mm-hmm. But, hey, we did see a couple of them uh, the other night. Exactly. Uh, Paul, did you have a thought on this? Not really. I just kind of – I was like, do we want to, like, talk about Mahomes maybe? Uh, we talked about the passing volume. I uh, – mm-hmm. looking a little further down the board. I'm, I don't know. I, I'm usually in on this market and had a crush on Tannehill a couple of years ago. Yeah. But I think I just, like, attached all my hopes and dreams uh, to <laughs> Daniel Jones at 60-1 to 1 that we talked about before the season, and I just haven't really reentered. Um, I mean, just looking at it. Mm-hmm. Was he the leader at the yeah. time of the injury? Like around, yeah. around yeah. this time. 
he was. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, no one, and I think I even no placed a bet like midway through the season because I'm like, oh no, he's running away with this thing. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, it's a bad beat. Is if, if you had a bet on Mac Jones for this, that's a bad beat. He There's no way probably. he plays at all, right? The next couple weeks. That's the one I was actually wondering. Why? About. Oh, because Zappy's Zappy no good hurt. either? Well, yeah. Right. Well. Yeah, you can go back. I mean, not, nobody. Well, yeah, this isn't baseball where, like, you're stuck with Zappy the rest of the year. Well, it, it that's something to file away. If Mac mm-hmm. Jones is announced a starter in the last run to couple this weeks, market? you run yeah. to this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like yeah, that. I would. That's a great plan. Seeing 80 to 1 for him to finish the most interceptions. Ooh, boy. All right. Maybe just keep that, that in the bet slip. Maybe right. you just yeah, right. bet it anyway. Just take a flyer <laughs> on it anyway, right? Yeah, like, I mean, right. Why Why should Zappy start the last three? I got nothing. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, again, if Nobody you're if that. you're the crafts, aren't you like, hey, can we at least get some trade value for this guy that you made us pick? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. see if he's if you can get anything there. Mm, right. That's something to watch. Maybe so. Yeah. For sure. All right. Let's move on now to the NBA. And, folks, it is the seven days of parlays at BetMGM happening today through Sunday. BetMGM account holders will receive a token to use on select parlays and same-game parlays each day during this promotional period. To get these offers, go to the seven days of parlays page and claim your daily reward. Receive parlay boost tokens to use on select parlays and SGPs each day during the promotion. Score a bigger payout if you win your parlay with a token activated. And, of course... Happy holidays from the king of sportsbooks. This is day three, and day three is all about the NBA Parlay Boost token. So each of us uh, has a leg for this parlay. I will begin with mine. I like the Mavericks and Clippers to go over 239.5. Mavericks are second with 1.21 points per possession when in transition. Not something they do with great frequency, but when they push the play, they are quite good at it. Clippers defense does okay getting back, but if we're seeing the resurgence of James Harden and company, this offense could put up a ton of points. So just another reason to back the over, Joe. All right, my portion of the parlay will be the Rockets laying three at home against the Atlanta Hawks. Houston coming off a three-game road trip. They're back at home. They are 11-1 straight up, um, and I believe they've covered all those games too. They're like, 10 and 1 or something like that. ATS and Atlanta. They are awful at covering the number on the road. So I'm going to back the Rockets minus a short number of 3. Nice. Paul. All right. A couple adjustments on those numbers just what's currently at BetMGM for when we place this Rockets are minus 3 and a half, Clippers, Mavs over 236 and a half. And I was going to go with my team, my town, my 76ers, but I decided, you know what? Let's just outsource this uh, to the people. And so I yeah. threw it into the Twitch chat. So Mike Morrow is saying uh, Sixers, Wolves, under 226.5 is his favorite play. Uh, the number at BetMGM actually is 225.5, so we're going under there. And he said throwing Heat plus 5.5 as well. Uh, so we're doing, well, he had plus 5, but the number at BetMGM plus 5.5. So we're going four legs here. Let's get wild on a Wednesday. And Let's we have gone from twelve to one to sixteen to one with the Bet MGM seven days of parlays NBA boost. Nicely done. Like it a lot. 
Uh, any other lightning bets uh, the group want to share? Yeah, in addition to Rockets, um, you've heard me throughout the show talk about it, so I'll just jump on it now. Grizzlies to make the playoffs plus 820, and uh, I think Paul has a bet on this guy at a different number much earlier in the season, but I see a path for Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen, to be the sacks leader. He's 11-1 to right now. So quarterbacks that, uh, that like to take a lot of sacks in his future. Hmm. Do you have a Josh Allen bet? Oh. I I do. I was uh was Which it I 20 thought. or 25 to 1? Uh stand by it real quick. I will I was glad to hear as I'm looking that up Brad Spielberger throw out a little confirmation bias for me with the Rams. I I've been more down on the Rams than you guys this entire season and I think they smash New Orleans tomorrow. And I will lay the four as well. Um, but I'm excited to talk about that game tomorrow, words I didn't think I'd necessarily say. But I'm also, there's an interesting <laughs> number out there that I want to talk about tomorrow. Minus 125 on the Rams to make the playoffs. That's kind of just a Rams money line bet tomorrow. Right? <laughs> That's Although, yeah. I will say, interesting spot next week if Tyrod plays for the Giants. against Again, a passing defense that is very, very beatable. Yeah. The Josh Allen number, 26 to 1 back in October. Is there a quarterback you've bet on more than Tyrod? You're always in. If it's oh Tyrod's in, I'm in. Let's go. Well, it's the Trevor it's Lawrence. the market. It's the market. Yo, yeah. Not Drew Locke. I know that much. Not Drew Locke. Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> there you go. Gino. The greatest power rankings of all time. Yeah. Thanks for watching and listening to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. For those listening, next up is Jim Rome. For those watching on Twitch and YouTube, stay tuned for the Daily Tip. Take care, everybody.